This morning from Genesis 15, the first six verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, no one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. So this is part two of three in this series that we are looking at, stories from Genesis. I've called the series Roots of the Covenant because these are foundational stories for us to understand God and our faith and how our ancestors began to understand how this God was working in the world. Last week we looked at Genesis 1 looked at that first creation story, read a few of those verses that told us that God believed what was being created was good. And we concluded from that that God wants good in the world, and God is working, in fact, for our good. And we began to look at the practical implications or the consequences of that foundational belief If we understand that God is good and God is working for good, then we begin to think that we are called to do good as a way to live in concert with this God who has created and is creating, who is at work in the world for good. Then we jumped several stories that Genesis tells us to this 15th chapter today where we encounter Abram. Abram is struggling with understanding what God is doing in his life. But we can draw from this story some very important theological foundations, just as we did last week with that story. Many Bible scholars and teachers would tell you that in this story we find the central affirmation of the whole of Hebrew Scripture. That is, God wants to have a relationship with humans. Using biblical language, that's called covenant. There are a whole series of covenants throughout Scripture where God is working with humans, establishing a divine human relationship, but also helping us understand how we relate to one another. How is the best way for us to be in community together? So last week, we started with creation. We saw that God has made and given us all we need for abundant life. We have air to breathe and water to drink and food to eat and other humans with, him, with whom to live. But then this story says, but there's even more. 
There's even something more here. This God wants to have a relationship with you. This God wants to be in covenant, not just with all of humanity, but with you individually. This God is coming to us. This God is seeking us out. You can hear it in that very first verse that we read. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Can you hear it? The word of the Lord came to Abram. God is seeking to speak and communicate and have a relationship with this man. Now, this is not the first time that Abram has had an experience where he felt like God was speaking to him. One of the stories we skipped is back in chapter 12. It tells of this time when Abram felt as if God was giving him guidance and direction and calling him to follow. Let me read you just the first couple of verses out of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. You've heard the phrase, blessed to be a blessing. It comes right out of this story. Where God is blessing an individual, but telling them not just for your own sake, but so that you can be a blessing to others. And in this case, so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. So the Lord has come to speak with Abram before. But in the story we read today, now God is back to help Abram in a time of doubt. Abram is finding himself in a time of struggle. Of fear. Have you ever had that experience? Where after you recognized God and had a relationship going with God, that for one reason or another, circumstances changed perhaps, or how you were thinking about your faith changed, and you began to doubt if God was real, or if God was present, or if God was trustworthy, or if God cared about you, or was interested in what was happening in your life. Most of us, even those of us who come to church, have had that experience of doubt, of wondering, of questioning. Where is God? What is God doing? Does God care anymore? Is God really working in my life? It seems to come with the territory. It seems to be a part of the fabric of faith that even people who are trying to follow God find themselves from time to time being afraid or wondering or doubting whether or not God is real or alive or at work in their lives. It seems that it's just part of being human and living in a physical realm that sometimes it's hard to stay connected with God in a spiritual way. Fear creeps in. Doubt creeps in. Questions come to us. And we begin to wonder more deeply about God and whether or not what you have believed up till now is really true. When this story about Abram today, we find that Abram receives reassurance from God. The very first part of what we read, after these things, the word of the Lord came 
to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. What a wonderful affirmation. If you were in a time of doubt, of wondering, wouldn't you like to hear from God saying, I am your shield, I am with you. This is going to turn out well. That would be a great affirmation. But Abraham, well, he's not Abraham until chapter 17, actually. His name is changed. So Abram is struggling right here. He begins to complain and say to God, but you have promised me an heir. I don't have a single child yet. I have no heir. I have no offspring. How can I trust you? All I have is, well, this child has been born to a slave. Is that what you meant when you made that promise to me that I would have an heir and I would have so many descendants that I wouldn't be able to count them and that we would be a blessing to the whole world? We get our answer in verse 4. But the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. It's a reassurance. Then to reassure Abram further, God leads him outside for a visual reminder that he's talking with the creator of the universe. In verse 5, God says to Abram, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. In other words, God is saying my ability to create is greater than even your ability to count all that I have created. Or to put it in the form of a question, if I can create all the stars in the universe, do you doubt my ability to create a child for you? And then this great affirmation in the last part of the fifth verse. Then God says, after Abram's looked into the heavens and tried to count the stars and had the experience that any of us would have if we go out into the dark where there's no city lights and begin to count, it's beyond our ability to count them all. Then God says, so shall your descendants be. And then comes the turn in the story in verse 6. And he believed the Lord. And Abram believed the Lord. He has shifted from doubt to faith. His move from not having any confidence in God to a renewed sense of confidence that he can trust this God, that God really does have his welfare in mind and really is going to do what he says he will do. How about you? Do you believe? Do you believe that God wants to have a personal relationship with you? That God wants to have a covenant with you? That God is seeking you out? And God wants to do good and work in your life in a way that leads to your welfare? Abram 
began to believe again. And he believed the Lord, the verse says. It happens to all of us that we have doubt. Sometimes it happens that we began to believe and trust the Lord again. Robert Benson is an author. He writes about life and spirituality. He grew up as a Christian, but not in the Methodist tradition. But I had opportunity to hear him speak back in May. He was one of the lecturers at the Spiritual Academy I was at. He's written many books. One of them is called Living Prayer. And in that book, he tells the story of his first experience with the Methodist on retreat, that he heard about the Spiritual Academy, and he decided to go, and he had signed up. He says he was so excited about going that he was packed three days before it was time to leave. Then he said two nights before he left, he unpacked and repacked just to make sure he had everything. And then he says the next night he did the same thing. He just wanted to make sure that he had everything he needed to go on this week-long retreat with the Methodist. He said, I was so excited and anxious. Finally got all packed. The morning came. I left early. I beat everybody there. Finally, they set up for registration, and I registered. Then he says he wandered around the camp for a little bit and then found a set of steps across from the registration area where he could watch and observe others as they were arriving. He said, I noticed right off that many of them were coming in groups. They already knew each other. I didn't know anyone. And then they would climb out of their cars and they were giving each other hugs and laughing and slapping each other on the back. He said as the afternoon wore on and on, he began to feel less and less like he belonged. He began to wonder, do all these people know each other? Does everyone already have a friend and I don't know anyone? He said he began to lose confidence that he had made the right decision. He began to want to disappear he says when he had walked around earlier, he had spotted a, a little chapel not far away. He says he decided to go over there and disappear and went inside the chapel. He said he began to pray. And he said not long after that, he began to cry and weep and all this pain began to pour out of his soul. He said his prayer was about that very thing. Oh, Lord, all these people here already know each other. I don't know anybody. I'm no saint. I'm just a lost and shy man. But heck, this isn't the promised land either. For Pete's sake, this is Alabama. Do I have to stay here? God, what am I doing in this place? Why am I here? He said he basically went over the same prayer for some two hours. And then he says something that had never happened, happened to him. I want to read it to you in his own words. Something happened to me that I did not understand then and understand even less now that I know the Latin mystical, transpersonal, philosophical, theological, and psychological names for it. What happened was that I heard a voice say something to me. I will not, cannot elaborate. 
it already embarrasses me in a way to say even that much. But years later, I am still convinced that I heard a voice. And the voice said to me, you promised to follow wherever I might take you. And this is where we go next. You are here because the road leads here. Benson recounts that he decided to stay at the retreat and trust God. Abram is still waiting for God to fulfill the covenant at the end of where we stopped reading today. But perhaps he's no longer waiting with such fear and doubt. Perhaps now he's waiting with more trust, with more confidence that God really is present and at work in his life for good, even though he cannot see the way just yet. The very last verse we read says, and he believed the Lord. Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Or we could interpret that as right relationship. This whole idea of being in the right relationship with God or being in the proper place or the right position to be able to understand what God is doing in your life, to be able to encounter or experience God in a real way that makes a difference in your life. It's righteousness, right relationship. Believing, trusting in God, this story says, is the best way to relate to God. It is the right place to be is in a stance of trust or belief, a posture of openness, and willingness to listen for God, to be at work in our lives, guiding and directing and empowering us as we go through our day-to-day living. So many of our old revival songs that we'll sing next month speak of this powerful experience of someone having that kind of encounter with God that Abram or Benson or so many others have had. He leadeth me, he leadeth me. By God's own hand, he leadeth me. Or standing on the promises, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. I'm standing on the promises. So many of our songs speak of that powerful moment or a series of experiences where we came to trust and believe God in a deeper way than we did before. So often it happens that it's only after a crisis or a struggle or a difficult situation or experience where we question that, that we're actually able to grow deeper in our faith relationship with God. We're actually able to move to a different position of trusting God evermore in our lives. There's so many songs that speak of that. We'll sing a lot of them next month, but perhaps the one that's become most popular for my generation is in our hymnal, number 707. Natalie Sleeth is the author. She wrote it in 1986. I want to just read you the verse, the first verse of this one. 
She writes, In the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree, in cocoons a hidden promise. Butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and snow of winter there's a spring that waits to be unrevealed until it's season something God alone can see. Amen. And thanks be to God.